0: bio still say he's kind of the id ceo um so you might want to you might want to update that at some point after this show um because if you've noticed when new people register for this everyone is now like forced to put their first name second name in and i think they're just trying to encourage like true uh, uh true identities on the platform it's and it's branding isn't it like people hover over your name and you can actually see you can actually see what people do so um So, yeah. Anyway, folks, just as everyone's here, I just want to let you know that um, I like the way that Crowdcast is kind of forcing people to put their first and second name in when they register. Um, It kind of then makes sense. Um, It helps me identify who it is, by the way, so I can pull people on screen properly. Um, But also, it kind of makes sense for you to kind of use it as a bit of marketing because there's a bit of – if you hover over anybody's image, a little model comes up and you can put some messaging in there. Um so if you wanna, you know, direct yourself to a website or you know, you're looking for work, for instance, put your LinkedIn there or you just wanna connect or whatever, might be useful to try that. Um so just updated mine. Did you really? Let's have a look at a quick hover. Um, you're still CEO of candidate ID on mine, but maybe I've got to refresh the screen or something. I uh, perhaps it. I've got re- refreshed, but don't worry. Um, all right, listen, let's uh, crack on through. Um, we are, um, welcome everybody. It's episode 221 of Brave Food Live on Air, bringing it to you every Friday. No fail, never fails. We're always here. I'm delighted to see you all with us today. Um, I just wanted to run through a few things. Obviously, we're talking. Um, uh, I hope you got my message, actually, in which case, um, do you get a confirm you can hear me okay. So just checking in on audio, visual, um, if you can hit he or see me uh, uh, on Crowdcast, let me know in the comments. Um, uh, we should be live streaming this everywhere. I hope and pray this is now out on LinkedIn. Let me quickly check my phone because um, i am literally got no two screens. I've got to use my phone to do it. If you are on LinkedIn, let me know. You can hear or see me okay. Yes, I'm going live. And by the way, we've got a record number of people live streaming this show, including you, Adam Gordon, Rob Walker, as usual. Uh, Rob's always there. We've got Juliana Park as well, all the way from Brazil, blasting it out to the Brazilian massive. Um, So we've got loads of people doing it. Um, and Virginia Tirado who's coming on to the show later on. She's doing it as well. So uh, folks, this is a new innovation. But if you want to basically live stream um, this show or indeed anybody else's show, you can do so on LinkedIn um, and it just drags more people to your page views. Why not get your extra traffic? Um, help spread some good conversation around. So um, so there we go. All right, I think people can hear me okay, which is fine. Um, oh, Gavin's complaining about the audio. I hope that's okay, bro. I mean, let me know what 8 ish means. Uh, maybe it's just um, uh, qualities, average, I don't know. Um, anyway, we've got to crack on because there's not much more we can do about it here. Um, welcome, everybody, to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about career progression tips for TA leaders. Uh, so if you're a TA leader or want to be a TA leader, um, this is gonna be a great show for you. Uh, we've actually got a bit of a special change of format because uh, Anaïs Neumann is gonna come on and actually do a presentation. We're gonna run through that real quick. But I saw this presentation when I was in Berlin a month or so ago, it's fantastic. Um, and I thought, you know what? Uh, not only do we wanna bring Anaïs on, but why don't we just show uh, some of the audience some of the good stuff that she put together as well. And then we use that as a discussion point and bring on uh, people like Joe Phillips, who's a recruitment coach, and also Virginia Torado on as well. Um, We're going to have a great conversation about it. So if this is the topic you're interested in, you're in the right place. Okay, uh, before we keep on going, we need to thank our sponsors. As ever, we can't do this show without our sponsors. And as ever, Brain Food Live is sponsored by some of the great companies that contribute so much to um, our our business. Um, Today, we are sponsored by a company called Symphony Talent. Uh, Symphony Talent. I think a lot of people might know these guys, uh, but probably not as well as you might think or or you should. They're basically a full service recruitment marketing, talent acquisition, top of the funnel uh, type of business, bringing in technology, consultancy, advice. Um, all kinds of campaign management and support. Uh, They're the sort of business that you need to go to if you don't have, um, uh, or you're not happy with your top of funnel activity, or you're not happy with your brand positioning in terms of an employer, have a checkout of Symphony Talent. They are a company uh, that's sitting in this space helping corporate businesses uh, do that part of the uh, recruitment funnel a lot better. symphonytalent.com, that's where it is. I'll just share that on the chat screen right there. Um, Okay, cool. Let's get on with the show. Um, uh, Adam, good to see you as usual. Thanks for being patient, just sitting there. I wonder whether we should bring you in a bit later after I do my spiel, because you've got five minutes of kind of just like you looking, looking dumb and pretty on the screen, don't you, Adam? That's, that's basically the role for the first five minutes.
1: Yes, I could be doing something a lot more productive
0: That's in that, in that five minutes. <laughs> say, imagine if you're on the phone and making calls or something, that'd be quite funny. Um, anyway, tea. anyway, no worries. Yeah, Bob, you can't do it after you start. So you have to do it in advance, I'm afraid to say. I probably need to email it out to other people, but a uh, useful experiment, and by the way, think about how it could be used for employer branding, uh, because imagine if you're, I don't know, doing a hiring manager intake and you recorded that and live streamed it you can get all a lot of people out blasting that as a de facto advert um, anyway um adam let's review the newsletter real quick uh, did you watch it last week did you read it last week and if so what was interesting then
1: yeah i did um, so let's talk about um connect like connected dick da- connected data polynode um polynode. Yeah, Polynode uh, is a company that uh, analyzes social media and is able to visualize for you what networks look like. And the blog that I enjoyed um, from BrainFood was about visualizing the HR tech landscape. And effectively, it uses the people also viewed function within LinkedIn to build out a map of. Here's all the companies. Here's how to categorise them. Here's how they overlap with each other, and here's where they are in the world. And I mean, it's a fascinating. It's fascinating to look at one of these polynodes, and you know, because it's basically it's the world, and you can see where everything's going and how it all links. Um, and the possibilities for that. And in fact, I've, I saw something similar to this like ten years ago. I don't think it was polynode, but I saw something similar to this where somebody had mapped out like the link between personal connections using LinkedIn, LinkedIn connections. And um, I'm surprised that we haven't seen it become more mainstream within recruiting yet. Oh, I, I certainly haven't. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe like Toby Cullshaw and his kind of posse have. But uh, it, 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 there's endless possibilities with this. Do you know why?
0: It, do you know why it, it doesn't happen more often? Um, in fact, that's a rhetorical question. Cause I do know why. Um, it's basically because the platform. That has the data typically cuts, cuts off the visualizing so, so services like that um i used to work for a company that did this peer index back in the day um which tried to track one of the very early kind of influence graph type of businesses try to figure yeah. out who's influential online um and we were very dependent on twitter twitter cut off the api it was like okay that's it it's all over um so um so it's one of those where it's dependent i mean these guys basically would depend on linkedin being cool with them tracking that data but at some point um, they're going to block that off. But anyway, whilst it's still there, it's a really interesting way to actually get a map of the landscape. Um, because one thing that's always annoyed me about when people put together um, HR tech landscape maps and all this, it's like the map itself is just a load of logos on a grid. And it makes no sense whatsoever. You don't know who's big or not. You don't know who's, what the relationships are between any of these businesses. Um, there's no idea as to what the network looks like. Um but Polynode were able to, to put together what looked like a map. It's a network graph, and it could actually track the strength of relationships between, let's say, the founders of businesses, because they'd be more obviously connected via LinkedIn. Um and they're the ones that pop up on on whatever. So you imagine a situation where let's say PayPal, PayPal Mafia very famously, they go off and set off loads of companies, something like PolyNode will be able to map that out for you and then be able to think you know what i should sit in this area if i want to do business with that group of companies very very interesting
1: who's your favorite paypal mafia
0: they're all controversial aren't they and they're all kind of towards the right right side of politics so, peter teal so they're all teal uh, i've got no time for i think he is he's like mental. well he's well out there Um, I think overall, it's probably someone like David Sachs, but that's because I listened to the all in podcast. And I think he's got some decent chat on that. Um, uh, Reid Hoffman, obviously on LinkedIn. Elon Musk you know you've got all these types of folks in there so yeah it's all the, all of the people that are a lot of individuals they're definitely not the PC or definitely not the woke uh, sort of uh, mafia by any any means they're not treading um, on
1: eggshells when they speak that group are they
0: not at all not at all which is part of the reason why they're popular you know the truth be told is I think we do a lot a little bit of uh, uh of uh, of too much of treading on eggshells
1: anyway um give us one more okay. couple more um Right, so um, another one. Okay, <laughs> hiring managers lie. One, like 40%, it said 40% of hiring managers lie, then I think it, I think in the article it actually is, is 36%. Um, they lie. Hiring managers lie to candidates. If you add in how much they lie about themselves and other things, it's probably 100%. But anyway, uh, that's really cynical about humans, isn't it? But anyway, um, they lie to candidates about, I think, lots of different things. The top one was, really what's involved in the role. Um, but there was all sorts of other things like how, what it's like to work for the company. What the, the second one actually was the career progression opportunity, which is, which is not as high as maybe they make out it is. Uh, they lie in the interview, they lie in the job descriptions, they write, they lie in the offer letter even. Um, and a lot of them have said they've actually had Um, to to had to lie to get the candidate to accept the job? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, obviously lying
0: is bad, um, uh, like morally bad, of course. But how much is omitting like something that is true also a a form of lying? Um, And recruiters, I'm sorry, we routinely do that. Um, You know, we might know, for instance, the reason why this job is vacant is because actually there was some sort of scandal in whatever um but we don't often lead with that we you hey, know it's a great job it's got blah blah, blah. we you know if if, if, if some approaches to it we we might step up and say it but we don't lead with it so i think how much of recruitment is in fact you know just presenting just the best sides and when does that segue from being good sales to being dishonest and i don't think that line is particularly clear um I, I'm, i'd be surprised if anybody in the audience right now can say you know what literally i took every single thing was absolutely true that's ever come out of your mouth in a recruitment call i don't think that's the case um you know you go to your hiring manager you say, yeah i can definitely i can definitely deliver that half the time you're thinking no chance right so so, so we there's a lot of less honest conversation um, that occurs in our business, probably in other businesses as well. But um, this, this research, I don't know whether it's helpful or not, but it kind of just starts the conversation, doesn't it? Uh, Four in 10 hiring managers lie
1: uh, to candidates. If you think about, if you think about like the lies that they tell unwittingly, so, oh yes, the company is absolutely stable. When the CEO and the CFO are like telling everybody, "Yeah, the company's stable," when in actual fact there's like one month's worth of runway left in the bank, uh, the hiring manager doesn't necessarily know that, but they've still got to get the jobs filled. So there's probably That's a lot of lying. Things, That's not you know, lying. it's not. It's not lying, but it's it's, it's corporate lying because it's the I mean, it's the company. The company yeah, com- is definitely you know being dishonest.
0: There's a classic example, we don't have access to the board meeting as an employee, you yeah. yeah, have no clue. Um, yeah. How many times does the boss email comes out, guys, it's, sorry, we can't pay, do payroll this, this week. You know, that's shocking. Like, obviously, they knew in advance, but they don't tell us. Is that a lie by omission? Probably. Oh, um, yeah. So, 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 yeah, I mean, I think there's limitations to how honest we can possibly be in business. And that's just an indictment of how the, the system works. Um, so, so yeah,
1: um, anyway, uh. Uh, unrest, uh, civil unrest, um, Resolution Foundation. Which I think it's a think tank, is it maybe they, yeah, they it do this, right. They do this quarterly like labor market outlook. This is a bit UK centric, but I know for a fact, the same thing is happening in France and I'm sure it's happening in other countries as well. So, um, there's more, more industrial action. Um, in the UK than there has been since the 1980s. It is, however, considerably lower than it was in the 1970s. So it's still not high, but it's higher than it has been since the 1980s, which is interesting. Um, Public sector pay has fallen really sharply because of the uh, cost of living, or during the cost of living crisis, I should say, not because of. Um, And the first time in a long time Public sector pay is actually slightly lower than private sector pay, and that's without the fact that public sector pensions are higher. So um, there's been some big changes. Um, I'll tell you what's particularly interesting here, and and
0: absolutely, Virginia, the strikes. But here's what the Resolution uh, Foundation found out. Firstly, public sector pay has been lagging behind private sector pay over the last 10 years. um, And that's very, very significant. As the cost of living goes up, public sector workers, they they get poorer and poorer, uh, essentially, every year. Uh, It's effectively a pay cut every year. And so what they found out that actually strike actions coming uh, as spiked up, but strike action correlates with increased pay. Um, and inc- the strike action then correlates also with unionisation. So basically, what Resolution Foundation is saying, you know what, unionisation works because it mobilises workers to actually take strike action. Strike action works because basically it boosts um, your ability to negotiate uh, better pay rates. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's that's something. I mean, uh, again, uh, one of the key points here. We as Individual consumers of services can get super annoyed at strike action. I know I do. I know it's never great um, uh, to be uh, uh, kind of a, on, the, on the end of it as a, as a citizen, as a consumer. But on the other side, you can also see as a worker, it's absolutely right. We need to have better pay for people who've been literally left behind. And by the way, these are exactly the same types of people With two years or so ago, they were the essential workers that we must do better by. Um, so let's not forget that period where, you know, we all said, you know what? These people are literally keeping the lights on. We need to actually pay them more. Well, guess what? Now's the moment, you gotta pay them more. Uh, so anyway, uh, Resolution Foundation, definitely worth checking that out. A uh, quarterly uh, report on this. It's a really good read.
1: So Lee, Lee has said in the comments here, wasn't Brexit supposed to fix that sort of thing? Yeah, <laughs> um, it was also supposed to <clears throat> stop um, as much immigration uh, happening in the UK. And there's considerably more. But thank God those damn Danish data scientists are no longer coming to run our banks. And Yeah. Uh, Lee, Lee, you've just got to be
0: patient, mate. Brexit will deliver, I think, in about 50 to 100 years, I believe. Um, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a long-term play. Long-term but when we've got play. the empire
1: back, when we've got that's the British it. empire yeah, back. Yes. When, when
0: Britannia rules the waves again, then, Control you know, Brexit. the straits of Panama once more. That's it. Send the, send the ships to Cadiz or whatever, you know. Craziness. Right. Let's get on with this. Right. Apparently you know something about career progression, Adam.
1: Um, I do. And you know something? Uh, I realised yesterday, I've never once been promoted in my life. (laughs) So you don't know anything about it? Never once. Okay, fine. Um, Let's get the guests on. However, I would like to just stress that any talent acquisition leader that wants to get promoted or any talent acquisition person that wants to become a leader... They need to know about things that they haven't been trained much in until this point, and that is like work, workforce planning, what's the future going to look like, what jobs are going to need to disappear, what jobs are going to need to be created. Getting bums on seats is clearly not the most important thing for three years' time.
0: No, no. I, I'm gonna. Suggest, by the way, folks, does anybody have a career progression tip that you can give uh, the, the audience? It might be cool to just put some stuff into the thread here. Give us one career progression tip that you have used to get get up in your career. Put it in the comments, um, in the chat. Let me know if you're watching this on LinkedIn. Put it in the comments thread there. Let's have a uh, a dialogue on this. I'll give you one. Um, someone t- told me this when I was first in as a recruiter, and it was basically this. It was like. If you're looking to get promoted to a certain level, observe the people at that level and do a little bit of what they're doing.
1: Walk like them.
0: Yeah. Or just do the work that they're doing. So for instance, if they're doing things like presenting to whatever, volunteer to present something, um, or if they're doing like oh, extra report type stuff or whatnot that you, know, you as a junior person is not involved in, get involved in doing that report generation have a look at the the role you want to get promoted into and start like doing that activity and then it becomes more obvious that you should be doing the activity in a more formal sense so that's my tip um have you, have oh, you
1: ever been promotion. promoted
0: yes well, um from,
1: from recruitment consultant to senior recruitment consultant right
0: no i, I actually broke the record for the fastest promotion from en- entry to a consultant when i first joined my recruitment business because basically i was just a resourcer at the time um so i shot up there uh, well, that, did it in about four months the,
1: you went through the training program quickly
0: no i basically did loads of sales uh, again uh, as, as a as a junior recruiter you shouldn't be doing it but i ended up doing it i remember i started taking client meetings while people telling me um that was like not to do um but i ended up closing that deal and they eventually said you know what just get, get this guy going um, uh, let, let, let him get on with it. Um, so, anyway, um, yes, I have, but not to the level that some of our friends know and love. So, uh, uh, I'm going to bring on Anais because she's been waiting very patiently. Um, and uh, let me just, oh, how do I grab her here? There we go. Um, and Virginia and Joe want to bring you on after we run through this presentation. I have a quick chit chat with Anais, okay?
1: There's um, amazing comments, by the way. There's so many brilliant recommendations in the chat here. Read a few out. Um, Felix says, wrap your head around data and how to use it to tell a story. Jerry says, note what your boss is reading as well as his or her boss. Clever. Yep. Uh, Taz says, be vocal about your achievements and don't let others take credit for your hard work. Some really great ones in here. Rob said, dress, uh, Rob said, dress for the job you want. So I've got a theory on that, which is you, you dress like a slob if you want to be in a quite junior role, right? And then you start wearing a suit and a tie if you want to progress into management. And then you dress like a slob again if you want to become leadership.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Shirt and tie is so career. What is it? Career wannabe, isn't it? Mid, um, mid-management. That's it. Anyway, we've got Anais here. How are you? Great to see you.
2: Hello. Yeah, great to see you again. All good. Uh very very dreary here in berlin but
0: we share the same clouds friday
2: so very excited
0: we share the same clouds Anaïs. it's miserable in the uk as well summer is over devastating um but okay why don't you quickly introduce yourself Anaïs? Who, who are you what it is you do
2: yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally French, uh, now living in Berlin and did a couple of uh, backs and force between Luxembourg and Tel Aviv, which was my latest stint. I'm currently at HelloFresh uh, looking after global executive recruiting, which was incidentally also what got my career started. Um, I helped building out the executive recruiting team uh, back in the days at Amazon in Luxembourg, then had a little stint at Facebook for a number of years. Even, you know, got to live the startup life for two years and now back into big corporate. Um, So I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've touched upon so many different things, tech recruiting, you know, high volume recruiting business. And I think exec is, is where I find myself the most uh, excited about. Yeah.
0: Indeed. And actually speaking to execs, that gives you a little bit of a clue as well, how they get there, doesn't it? Because when you're doing yeah. the headhunting stuff, they are at the, the pinnacle of where it is. So um, why don't, before we do a screen share and have a look at the presentation, yeah. these, can, can you tell us a little bit about this PI framework that you kind of introduced me to? Um, what what, what does, well, can you just give us a high level? What is this? And uh, why do you think it's important for TA leaders to understand it?
2: Yeah, ac- uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think just to to take a little step back, I mean, personal branding is definitely one of my uh, pet topics that it seems I've been talking about a lot in the last couple of, of months, um, just because I've made a lot of mistakes myself, to be honest. Uh, and I finally got that and the mistakes that I made. And I think retrospectively, um, I'm able to to also kind of see what they were. And teach those kind of pitfalls to others, right? Um, and uh, this PI framework uh, is absolutely not something that that I made up, right? It's a uh, it's been around in the talent community. I think uh, some call it the Mondo PI because it's been picked up by someone that's been using this framework. Uh, but it is um, basically it was uh, it was first brought to life in the 90s, so 1996, um, by someone named Harvey Coleman, uh, who was kind of studying you know, psychology and organizations and sort of those hierarchies. Um, and he came up with this PI framework, a PI basically standing for uh, three massive uh, ingredients that you need for um, personal success and, and career growth, which are performance, image, and exposure and actually i'll be happy to to jump into this presentation into in a second but to really explain um you know those three ingredients they don't necessarily come in equal parts and uh there is a pitfall because um these days when you know you talk about this this pie framework um a lot of the um a lot of the emphasis is put on hey you have to develop your branding you have to develop your exposure you have to be seen be heard in order to actually get ahead and um, you know, this is this is true for TA, this is true for anyone in any role at this point in time, but uh, uh, what is most important to note is that today, this is taking a connotation of LinkedIn personal branding, right? Uh, where are you? What are you posting about? Who are you connected in your network? And uh, lately, I've been trying to educate a lot of TA folks on the fact that Yes this is great especially in TA it's good to have a solid linkedin presence or other you know social networking events are are really important but we're forgetting that branding and personal um say personal exposure starts at the job right and that uh, you can go off you can be on LinkedIn, you can be present in every TA event, in the end, you still have to deliver and be recognized by your peers in your first, like, um, in your first environment, right? Your first degree connections are not the folks on your LinkedIn. They might be that's what they're called right but in the end the folks that are helping you with your promotion the folks that are um, that are recognizing you and pushing you right uh, they're your team if you're a manager they're your peers if you're an individual contributor and those are the connections you have to build out and that exposure um, that you need to drive within the company that you're currently at or your first kind of um, stakeholders if that makes sense
1: Yep.
0: So, so just to restate um uh out there basically there's that internal image within the company so a lot of people think branding is just externalized uh, you know all all that yes you need to do this but you know what there's an internal branding you need to do and i guess the bigger the company the more important that is isn't it because if you're in a 10 person organization and you're all in the same office etc it might become more obvious to everyone who's doing what but Mm -hmm. as the company scales in size suddenly you just come lost in this bureaucracy. And how do you distinguish yourself um, uh, in, in that process? How do you navigate through? Uh, that's clear. Uh, does everyone understand that? I hope you do. Um, really, really important point to make. Um, uh, are you gonna say something, Adam, or just uh, just dumbfounded me? Dumbfounded? Yep, that's all good. Uh, okay, Anais, Ar- do you wanna try and share screen? Is, that, is I think you hover over your face and yep. something happens there. Give
2: right? me just a second, I'll figure Can it out. Can I just add one,
1: a... add one Corporate. entirely entirely relevant comment? Anais is one of my favorite names because my oh. my my mum used to wear perfume called Anaïs Anaïs.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. So I was actually not named after the perfume. I existed (laughs) pre-perfume, which is not helpful. But uh, I was actually named after a writer called Anaïs Nin. So I'll let you Google it and I'll let you think about what my mom's taste
1: in books was. No,
2: that perfume
1: (laughs) must... That perfume is really old, is it not? That perfume is really... Is it not like... 50 and, years old or something or
2: no 80s <laughs> oh really late 80s late 80s to my defense oh. <laughs> um yeah hang on let me just uh grab the presentation and we'll get on to it let me know if you've got this one
0: uh, yep we can we can share yep we see it
2: okay. Folks, can everyone
0: see that okay yes
2: yep. Great. All right, trying to handle multiple screens here with a tool that I am not familiar with yet. All right, and you should see my pointer as well. Wonderful, I'm using Canva. (laughs) Um, Right, so I think I would just start, um, and I don't wanna run you through the full presentation either because that's like a 15, 20 minute thing, but um, to your point, uh, Hung, about, you know, the difference that it makes whether you're in your whether you're in a big company or in a small company, I actually felt like for the longest time in my career, which is eight years with uh, companies like Amazon and Facebook, I was relying oh, way too much on the company's brand, especially externally you know oh I'm a recruiter I'm an executive recruiter at Amazon that's just prestigious in and out of itself, and I realized that this was not a huge mistake, but it was a little bit of a flag, right? Because uh, you are more than the company that you work for. Of course, you can endorse the company that you work for, and hopefully, you feel passionate about that company. But at the same time, you are a person. You are an individual, right? And you know. When you talk to candidates, if you're in TA especially, I think being able to also, um, you know, communicate your own views and talk as a as a as an individual that didn't drink the company's kool Aid is super important. Uh, so I think this was one of my mistakes. Mistake number one. Second mistake. Um, what's this fallacy called again? Uh, where you uh, where you believe that?
0: Just, just, just will will fallacy. fallacy.
2: Exactly. So. Longest time in my career, I was under the impression that, um, yeah, I was just delivering, over delivering, doing always more um, while as a recruiter, pretty much being in my corner, doing my thing solo um, was going to get me somewhere. In the end, you know, I was passed up on a promotion because, I don't know, Joe blogs was a bit more vocal, had done this project that was a little bit more relevant strategically, right? Um, so you have to realize that results are super important. We'll get that to that in a second. Um, but you sometimes have to give them a little bit of a push, right? So I hope um, until now those two mistakes, people can relate to them. Um, and then the third mistake on my end uh, would be trusting my manager with my career development no i have I have done this talk before, and have i 've had people walk up to me and say, "How can you say that i 'm a great manager. I have my my report's best intentions at heart right and I believe that and i've been with great managers absolutely that have pushed me that have helped me um, but the truth is there's always a lot of things that you you have to own your own career development right your manager can uh, in many instances, put you forward, help you, um, help you with that promotion, um, set you up on high visibility projects. But in the end, um, there's also a lot that you have to carry, you know, and that you have to drive, especially if you're in this huge team where your manager doesn't necessarily know what you have been up to or can't be the best advocate for you. And that's not necessarily that they're a bad manager. It's just the nature Mm -hmm. of the organization. So that would be kind of my three mistakes. Um, And I'm just going to, Dive right into this uh, this pie metaphor, which uh,
1: you know. Can I, go Can I so? Can I ask a question, please? About yeah. the I've got a couple of point couple of comments to make about the uh, mistaking your employer's brand for your brand. Go for it. Um, first one is I I I worked for a recruitment marketing business which nobody really would have heard of outside unless you were in in, in talent acquisition basically. And then I spent three years at PwC. And when I first joined PwC, there was a very heavy em- business development emphasis on both of these jobs. When I joined PwC, I could not believe that I would get a 100% hit rate on picking up the phone and getting through to the decision maker and then getting a, fo- getting a meeting. It was 100%. And it was, the, the difference was startling. So the company's brand makes a very big difference to your ability to generate successes. And there's a lot of knock-on impacts of that. The other way around, I've said to quite a few people recently who have left their jobs in typically large, well-known companies to go out and work for themselves. And I've given them, like my age, people at my age, the first time they're stepping out on their own, and I've just given them one note of caution, which is, a lot of your success, no matter how great you are, a lot of your success will have been to an extent because of the people recognize the organization you work for. Mm-hmm. So do not be surprised if the phone doesn't ring like it used to and people don't take your call and respond to your in-mail or, or your email or whatever the way that they used to when you had a budget and a team and power. Right? So um yeah. I don't know if that backs up what you just said or contradicts what you just said, but it's I certainly add, my experience.
0: I want to add one mm-hmm. more point because this is actually a very common um, controversy on sort of in com- community discourse, like, is it easier to recruit for a super famous company? And you know what, certain elements it is when it comes to making outbound and outreach because you're gonna be more likely to get an open or a reply on the basis of the fact you've got a powerful employer brand um on the end of your uh, on the end of your email. Amazon.com is gonna help. It's gonna be better than acme.no name.it <laughs> or whatever it is. Um so credibility, um, I think that the, the point Anais is making is that sometimes you can be overly reliant on this um, and you can emerge into the big wide world. One of these days you're gonna leave that type of company, you will no longer have that type of impact. Um, whereas someone who basically has gone up without using uh, the, the leveraging that type of brand may have developed different skills going forward. However, I do think you could, you could kind of use powerful employer brand to really accelerate your network. Um so it's almost like if you're working for an important company that's well known right now, now is the time to really double down and make sure you've got a massive audience because it's a lot easier to do it now than it is when you're working for acme.no name.com. Um, yeah. anyway, um Anais, we interrupted, this, so sorry.
2: Yeah, thanks for the uh thanks for the add-ons here. Definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, so this is the famous career success pie or pie method that I was talking about, and uh, this is where I usually engage it to a little guessing game, but I guess I, I already kind of, you know, spoiled this for everybody. Um, I think it's worth noting here that this was first released 1996, uh, so 30 years ago almost. I mean, it's 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 crazy how um, basically it is still ringing true. And, um, you know, whenever I I stream this, right, and I show this pie, uh, there's like 10% performance. And again, I have people coming up to me saying, what do you mean, I just need to perform 10%? No, <laughs> this is basically, you know, this 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 means you should be performing, um, you know, delivering against your expectations. Of course, if you have the bandwidth, I mean, it's always best to go above and beyond, pick up really um, impactful projects and things like that. This does not by any means mean. Uh, that that your you know that your exposure or your image comes before uh your performance actually the performance is what is going to set you up for you know for success it's going to be a vehicle to your branding to your exposure it's uh, you know in TA a hiring manager you know usually you know when you first have that first conversation with a hiring manager you have this neutral sort of trust right I don't know if I if I want to work, if I like to work with this recruiter or not, if they're going to be good. The moment you start bringing the first, the second, the third really good candidate, you'll see that trust level go up, AKA you've delivered, right? And that's what you want to build on. Yeah, but it in no way, shape or form means that uh, the performance just needs to be there at a 10%. Um, so the second one would be, of course, the image, right? It's an acronym, PI, P-I-E image is basically the way that you deliver right um so all your attitude how you work with peers how you collaborate this all matters you know uh, i've had mm, plenty of situations where i've been given feedback and of course constructive but it still hurts when it's like hey Remember this time when we talked about this? This wasn't cool. Like you kind of stepped on my toes, or you know, you kind of went ahead without consulting me. So I think there are a lot of uh, ways that you can be successful, but you have to be mindful of how you do it, right? So that attitude—it's what a lot of companies like Amazon call leadership principles. that HelloFresh, we've got the DNA traits, right? How it's the code of conduct between individuals in an organization. And to be honest, it's just normal human behavior right um, and I'm gonna say this I don't know if, if this is a sort of PG you know rated or anything like that but if you piss off people then you know that's not great image for anyone right if, if you perform if you're this this shark that goes after things and delivers great but pisses off everyone in the process it's obviously not going to work right um, and then moving on, the most important part, and that's the part that a lot of folks, you know, whether it's TA leads or whether it's, um, it's individual contributors have the most difficulties with, it's the exposure. Um, if they're lucky, they have a manager or a coach or a mentor, or they're clever enough to kind of find the right forums to share their results, to really make sure that what they do kind of lands in the right ears, um, and, and is seen, but uh, more often than not, you have to go and you have to kind of work this out on your own. Right. So how can you do this? There's many different ways to do this. Um, you know, you can find impactful projects. You can go, um, you know, and connect with different people in the organization or outside, you know, and um, and really use this performance and this image that you've built and run it through what I call sort of the uh, the amplifier. That exposure uh, is, is an amplifier that you need to kind of, you know, set yourself up for success. So, so that's the idea behind the pie metaphor. And yeah, I'd say most people have it down when it comes to performance. I would assume everyone on this call, um, I would assume everyone on this call, you know, is open to learning and to understanding how we, how you, how you achieve things without peeing people off, right? Some people, though, uh, that's at least my experience also as as a, as a freelance coach is they struggle with that exposure part. How can they be set up for success knowing what, um, what important projects they can work on what people they need to network with. Um and yeah, that's uh that's really the point here and, and the thing that will make personal branding or their personal brand stand out.
1: Yeah. Anaisa, I've got a couple of questions. Yep. Um so is this recommending to people this is what you need to focus on in order to get ahead? Or is this just mirroring this is what happens? Um or, or both of these things
2: great, great question, um, and again, lots of people came to see me after I gave this talk and told me well that 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 is sad isn 't it that I have to kind of go and I have to amplify my results to people who need to hear about it in order in order to get ahead, and I agree one hundred percent, I wish because I 'm also one of these you know high achievers, high performers, I want everything to be perfect, and i don 't necessarily want to be spending time bragging, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, about my achievements to people that that don't necessarily want to hear it. However, uh, and you put the finger on it, it is pretty much what is happening in most bigger organizations, at least, from what I've experienced, um, especially if it comes to promotion decisions or decisions on you know, whether A or B person will be assigned to a specific project. If people haven't heard of you or what you've done, it is very likely, and that's just human bias, that you'll be overseen for an um, overlooked for an opportunity, right? So it's a recommendation based on the, the the psychological study of an organization and how it has worked in the past decades.
1: So does this mean that extroverts are typically going to get promoted more than introverts?
2: It could, I think, in 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 many different cases, be the case. Yeah.
1: Why do we have a scenario in sales type environments where total idiots with high performance end up getting promoted a lot, whether they're exposure or not? Like they yeah. you know, landed five deals uh, you know, every month last year, so we've got to promote them it, it, like, and they become managers. They they're maybe doing both. They the may be doing the performance is maybe irrelevant. Actually, it's just the fact that they also have the exposure and they're doing that.
2: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's what happens when cultures, um, you know, get blinded by, I guess, that brand, you know, that bragging um, and and do not necessarily look at the performance before, you know, assessing whether or not a person is fit for a promotion or a leadership role, right? I think, uh, yeah, but completely yeah. agree with you. It happens in many cases.
1: Because being a great individual contributor is definitely a relevant factor of being a good manager. That's true. um, But also, um, we have very poor way to
0: transition someone into a different role, like none of us have even figured out what what manager is really. Um, Is it just a reward for good performance? Usually we just give someone a reward? Is it retention sort of a, a technique? Um, uh, or is it something else? You know, is it actually this person could be repurposed to op- optimize the performance of other people? Totally different skill set. It's almost never that. Um, it's almost uh, one of the other two. And actually, I think I've seen people be promoted because they were problematic individuals. In other words, they would, be, it would they'd just mm. cause more drama if you didn't promote them. Um, and mm-hmm. was, you you saw a weak manager promote them up because you know what I don't I, I want to keep this person on side they're they're just more you know this that and the other and it's again it's a very very flawed system. But Chloe, I just want to draw attention to um, a comment she made. Um, yes, extroverts they're louder, therefore they're more obviously seen, and therefore they get a better chance. I think it's probably true that an extrovert gets promoted um, more than an introvert, all things being equal. Um, because of the visibility issue um, and all of this the reason why Just World exists is because uh, Just World fallacy exists is because everyone has incomplete information over reality and we can't process it all um, therefore we're just looking for proxies we're looking for little signals and little nudges to say oh maybe this and if your name is up there or top of mind whenever these discussions are are being made then that gets you into that situation where you've got a chance. And what we want to switch to the conversation to now is how do we get into the minds of the managers and everyone else in such a way that it's kind of ethically, uh, you know, values comfortable, values aligned with how we do it. So Anise, why don't you stop sharing screen? I'm, I'm going to invite on um, some of our other guests here as well uh, who have got a different technique. Both of them have been... Um, business leaders themselves, and also career coaches also. So I wanted to get other people's view on this, having um, sort of seen that presentation um, and and see where we go from this. Let me just do a quick search for Joe Phillips. Oh, by the way, whilst I'm bringing on Joe and Virginia, why don't we take the opportunity to um, share LinkedIn into the chat stream? And if you're watching on LinkedIn, share it in the comment thread, And then take the opportunity to connect with everyone else who's done so. Reason why is because Brain Food Live does have to come off air in a couple of minutes. Let's not us be a bottleneck to stop the conversation. Um, Please continue this conversation with the other people that are part of this. You can go ahead and do that by connecting with everyone else you see. So take a moment and share your LinkedIn into the chat stream and into the comment thread. Um, Okay, we have...
1: How, how many how many LinkedIn connections uh, you know can you can can you accept from the crowd today? Uh,
0: zero, I'm afraid to say. Um, I, I occasion I'm waiting for drop off. So my chat is so bad on LinkedIn these days that I get people that just uh, search for me and, and delete and, me. And, um, just come and delete and, people. Uh, it's hard. You don't understand the filter. The filter is very. It's ethically difficult because you can't. The only things you can search on are things like location and, and, and name. Um, I think you're going to delete all the columns you were just going to uh, do that all the Collins have been deleted i'm onto the nigels they're almost going to go and it's like i'm just taking random names it's like
1: oh, how bad is that? yeah definitely anyway, Roberts.
0: anyway let's let's uh, say hi to our guests um so joe phillips great to see you joe can you quickly introduce yourself for you what it is you do
3: hello Hang. hello everyone thank you for having me joe phillips founder of ready and recruiters Uh, My expertise lies in TA resourcing and leadership development. Um, A part of my portfolio is I work one to one with women to help them to get to exactly where they want to be from a promotion perspective. And I think it's interesting. um, I'm going to circle back in a minute moment to the Coleman stuff um, because I I think it's interesting. I wonder how much of the gender imbalance gets taken into consideration with some of the, the research. So I'll circle back to that in a moment. But yes, hello. Good to see you.
0: Great to see you, Joe. And absolutely, I think it would be interesting to see you know, what our thinking is with regards to tactics, techniques, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Is there gender variance on that? Um, I've just shared Joe's LinkedIn there as well. Make sure you connect. And we've got Virginia Tirado as well. Virginia, great to see you.
4: Can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Hi. Uh, um, yes, my name is Virginia Tirado. And going back to some of the comments earlier, I have worked for a couple of those brands as well. Had the the pleasure of working with Anais in our lives, ex-lives at Amazon and uh, just been uh, leading TA for Solando over the past three. So I've had a couple of those uh, experiences that we've been talking about. Currently enjoying the weather in Mykonos, uh, just taking a little bit of a break from this, uh, enjoying the summer until I find my next big challenge and uh, getting ready for that. So in the meantime, enjoying the summer.
0: Fantastic stuff. So if you're looking for a head of talent, a head of HR, a head of CPO, whatnot, check out Virginia. She's going to be available when she's back from her holidays. Uh, Okay. Let's have a view on this performance versus um, profile idea, the idea that actually we need to spend a, more time improving our exposure internally in order for us to get promo- uh, promotion. What are your thoughts on that, Joe and uh, Virginia? Let's go with you, Joe. Um, d- do you agree with that assessment? Um, uh, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think that you know, 10% is down to performance, but performance is a given, right, at our, t- at our t- at this level I think it's just that we spend 80 to 90% of our working day in performance so the challenge is at at what point how do we apportion how do we recognize when we need to prioritize this piece around image impression management and and this perception piece and I think it's so important to actually set the narrative so it's really important that we set the narrative what do we want other people to say about us when they're not in the room and who are we reliant upon to set the narrative and I think what's interesting is that Certainly, when we look at the gender differences, women are less likely to promote for themselves. They're much more likely to advocate for others than for self. We're much more likely to hear women will use pronouns such as we. So us as a team achieved. It was our activity. It was something that we formalised. They're much more likely to externalise those successes than they are to internalise them. And so as a natural reaction to that, what can happen is that women will find themselves actually not being promoted and that their less self-promoting peers are much more likely to be promoted over them at an earlier stage so something that from a gender split certainly i notice is that as women we have to become much better at using the i pronoun and we have to become much better at recognizing our accomplishments and being able to talk about them eloquently and comfortably
0: Quick intercession there, um, uh, Joe. How do you do that? Um, and I don't want let, to let sort of uh, uh, disclose any of your, your coaching tips, I'm uh, confidential or whatnot, but let's say there's, a, there's someone out there, there's, a, there's, a, there's people out there listening to this and saying, yes, I always have this problem. How do we retrain the mind so that actually you can start sort of take owning your own space, if you like, um, and, and claiming some of the credibility credit uh, that is your due?
3: I think... Oftentimes we will we'll end up in, a, in, a, in our review, our annual review, and we, we look back and we think, actually, what have I done this year? Well, it was part of my job. Everything I've done was just my role. Everything I've done is just what I'm paid to do, rather than weekly breaking it down and actually looking at what, what is it that I have achieved this week? What have I achieved this week? And if you're making a note of that each week, you're gonna end up with four achievements a month. You end up with 12 a quarter. You can do the math, it's 26 a half a year, 52 across the year. And I think it's really important that not only do we recognize what those achievements are from a mindset perspective. And to give you an example, I've got one client and she pumps through 1.3 billion in pipeline over at IBM. When I first started working with her, the conversation that we had was, but actually it's the team. Is the team does all of this. We well, say yes, it is the team, but what's the strategy that you're implementing? What's the influence that you're having on the team in order for that to happen? So I think in the first instance, it's about recognising what those accomplishments are and those achievements are. And everybody, the other end of this um, of this session, will, will have used the STAR technique to prep candidates for interview. We've all used it. We all know it. But what we need to do is utilise the STAR technique just to get used to, to really exercising that muscle of self-promotion. Talk about the yeah. situation that was at hand. Talk about the task. Talk about the actions. Talk about the results on the business.
1: Yeah, so, very, very it good. To... It,
3: it, it seems to be one
1: sort of bridge between <clears throat> talking about we mm-hmm. and just going full out bragging, right? One, one way of, of sort of bridging that is the concept of just, like, knowledge sharing. So you've achieved a success – and you present it to the rest of your unit as I want to share with everybody something that I've learned about a good like and that is presenting a success in a way that's a bit less self-serving than the person who just goes yeah I'm brilliant or whatever is that something you'd recommend?
3: I think it's all about timing isn't it I think there are many opportunities where we're sat in a meeting and a another has come along with a challenge and we can say great well actually if I think about this time last year, this was something that, that we had experienced as a team. So, again, you can talk about your challenges in that way. But I also think to come back to your point and the word that you utilise, which was bragging. Is actually it's not bragging if it's based on facts
0: one one thing i think that's a very important point joe um and i think maybe this is also a little bit um culturally as well i think uk generally speaking it's 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 perceived to be you know bad to be uh talking about achievements perhaps different in different cultures etc um but one of the techniques i would just like to open out again i'm not an expert Um, Like I say, I've only been promoted once in my entire life, right, so not particularly impressive at all. Um, I'm going to go to Virginia in a second, because you have had success in doing this. So we'll we'll go that in a second. But just being a a bit more transparent about your operational work, generally speaking, can can just increase your visibility, good or bad. So in other words, don't wait until you've had some amazing victory, because you you, you will self-judge yourself to think, oh, that wasn't that amazing, it was just, you know, whatever. But if you just habitually got into the case of, you know what? This has happened. I'm just going to externalise it. It will have the effect of simply increasing your visibility within the business. Doesn't have to be an enormous victory for you to talk about it. Um, Okay, I want to bring in Virginia here. Virginia, I hope you can hear me. I notice you having some uh, hearing difficulties, but um. Um, the question I've got for you, as a person that has actually gone and it, it looks like you've had significant career success, achieving sort of positions of seniority and so forth, can you describe for us sort of how you've done that? And has anything that we've talked about today is it resonated in any way? And, and if so, what exactly?
4: Yeah, I think we we learn different things throughout our career. I think initially, uh, going back to some of the mistakes that Anaïs pointed out, when you're when you are and particularly, I would say you know, for, for women, we do think that our jobs will speak for us and we do have issues in differentiating between bragging and actually taking credit for the work we've done and not confusing that with being, uh, with lacking humbleness, right? I think you can still be humble and, uh, and, and take credit, you know, wear your medals proudly for the, everything that you have done. But uh, as you you know, as you learn and you 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 earn a few stripes uh, across you know your your professional career, it is also important to build partnerships. I think when we talk about this exposure, it's not about just getting your name out there for the heck of getting your name out of there. The one way that you will be amazing at performing is to bring others in the journey. Particularly if you're in TA, if you're in TA. Uh, and you, your job is to sell, right? Your job is to also bring candidates in, but get that hiring manager to be accountable for um, reducing the attrition rate, right? Working with your business partners, working with finance so that you can figure out what is it that you need to deliver. So I think that you know, the more you focus on understanding how you bring value and how you are gonna get things done, by bringing others through that journey, you will get a lot of what you want. And I always believe that, you know, if you if you help others get what they want, you'll end up getting what you want. And and that is to me the the way that I have not only managed to build some success, but also support others right in in getting where they need to get to. And um, and and it works. I mean, I I think if you if you think about your stakeholders. If you are an active listener and you understand what is it that they need and how you're going to help them achieve that, you're going to have an advocate when you're not in the room for the things that you've managed to deliver. If you are not competing with your HR business partner or your finance folks or your other P&O or HR colleagues about you know whose responsibility it is to get this hire made or deliver that contract, but actually working as a team, You'll get stuff done and people will remember who you are. But I, I think the piece where I still don't believe we're we take enough time is that e- external piece. Because if you're a good performer, you're more likely to have that internal exposure, influence, and an image. But that exposure externally, making time to actually get on a live and listen about what our colleagues are are doing, you know, reposting for a friend that you know is. Is actually looking for a job, or sharing an opportunity, or actually commenting on someone's post, or just doing little things. It doesn't take a huge amount of time. Like I've I've now tried to make it a habit that before I start my week and I start planning, maybe in the weekends, you know, uh, instead of uh, just hoping for somebody to tag me on something, I take a purpose. Uh, a purposeful, a purposeful look at what is going on on LinkedIn, what is going on on Brain Food. Uh, you know, what are we doing um, with uh, uh, great things that are happening in TA? So that's kind of my advice.
0: Three really important points there, Virginia. Thank you very much. I, I want to just restate them just for, so I've been it in my own memory. Um, so, so the first thing uh, that was important was that relationship building is is part of this this process. It's not just about posting something in an internal Slack, it's like thinking, okay, who actually matters within the organization as far as you know, my career progression is concerned? Clearly that's your your hiring manager's one, that's a given. But who else is involved in your business? That's important. Who cares about TA in there? Uh, who cares about the work that you're doing? Make sure you do have a relationship with them uh, 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 where you may not operationally have one. I remember someone made a comment on the chat there about you know uh, interacting with finance, for instance, or, or setting up meetings with HR or whatnot. Do it off your own back. Don't wait for an excuse. Build those relationships in advance. And guess what? That's going to help you in some way. Second point you mentioned, really important. Help others achieve their goals. So this is uh, one of those where you're thinking, okay, other stakeholders in the business, if I can support them and kind of, I wouldn't say visibly, but you know what? They will know if you're doing something, you can externalize that in some way. If you have helped them succeed in some form, you're going to build some social capital. I think that's what they call it these days, whereby they're going to feel, you know what? This person has really helped me out. They're going to feel more favorably towards you as a result of that. Who wouldn't? Um, And that's that's going to help you in the future when the moment comes. Um, And the final thing that you mentioned, uh, which I think is significant, even though I think Anais correctly uh, distinguished the branding internal and external at the beginning of the conversation, but I think external profile can also help the internal stuff as well. Um, Because if you're out there and you're doing something, oh, you appeared on this podcast or you appeared on, on stage at this event or something happened, there's other people in your business that will look around and think, you know what? This person's a bit of a mover and shaker or something. Um, it's just a little bit of something, right? Um, so maybe there's a balance there. Three amazing points. Thank you very much for this, uh, Virginia. Um, okay, um, Adam, you're going to say something, I think, because um, I'm going to go roll, roll straight into like top tips for people that are kind of um, that want to get a get a takeaway. I hope we've already listed five of them. But what else do you think could we use? Uh, Joe, let's go with you on this. Uh, you mentioned gender a number of times. Let's try and drill down a little bit on this. So particularly for women, um, if it is the case where there is a, a kind of an instinct or an impulse to not grab the attention or, or you know not articulate achievement or whatnot, what is the, the recommended approach to, to train yourself out of that? I mean, have you got a, a technique that you could give someone to, uh, to, to remind them? you mentioned breaking stuff down into bits over the course of the year and store it towards a performance review anything else that you can share that might be useful
3: yeah i think it's it's not only keeping a record of those achievements it's recognizing those achievements it's it's putting yourself in a position where you can you can consider what's your exposure so who doesn't know about you in the organization that needs to know about you and what do you want them to know about you So there are plenty of ERG groups, there's plenty of other ways that you can put yourself in front of the right audience. Maybe you consider other projects, maybe you consider something that's a bit more visible in the business, but be in a position where people can see you, they get to know you, they get used to you, they can see your value proposition. And I think understanding and really being able to crystallise what your value proposition is when you're on that path of promotion is key, because that's going to be a narrative that we need to use at every occasion
1: really
0: important a point um so almost like a person a personal value proposition you have to that organization so we all know about employer value proposition you know this is our proposition to people joining but what is your personal value proposition to your organization have that it's probably a good idea to have that written down articulated so you know what it is and it can guide you a little bit in terms of your activity Interesting. On this, uh, Rachel mentioned something about remote teams. How do you do this remote? Because I think as we're talking about this, we're visualizing it, and I am visualizing. Yes, you know, you're walking through an office, you're doing all this. Okay, what if you're distributed? You're not in office. The only thing you see is Slack. Um, how do you um, increase? Um, how do you increase the um, the, the the sort of uh, uh, visibility totally digitally? Any thoughts? I'll open out to everyone here.
3: I think um, I'll just jump in. I think in my experience in the last three years, um, I've probably only worked in person 30% of the time. The majority of my work is remote and actually How do you create those? How do you create engagement? How do you create exposure? How do you create relationships? You do it in exactly the same way that you would do if you walked into an office. I don't necessarily prescribe to the whole piece about, well, I didn't get the opportunity for the, you know, the water cooler chat or the cup of coffee. Well, make the opportunity, take control of your career, figure out who you want to connect to and connect. You know, be be purposeful. With
0: your can, I, can I say one thing? The the, 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 the design of a serendipity, right? So, so yes, the water cooler example, making the coffee or whatnot, that was really good previous back in the day. But mm-hmm. if we're now moving into the online world, you've got to kind of replicate similar scenarios. Can you think about how that might happen? Maybe you start something as a competition, maybe you do something uh, that's like outside of business as usual, but you invite other people to come and contribute to that. Um, And guess what? There's gonna be random people that you didn't anticipate that might well participate in this. Um, And then
1: suddenly you've
0: got opportunity for, again, serendipity to occur.
1: Um, Chance isn't a tactic, is it? However, you can, considerably increase your success when you take control of who is it I'm going to spend time with and how am I going to get in front of them?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one thing that I, I find very valuable in the remote space is is checking in with one another. You know, just at the end of the week, just randomly check in on folks that you might, uh, haven't seen and you miss. Let people know you've missed, you know, seeing them on a, on a Zoom call or so on. Those little things do, Really, really make a difference because I think when you do things in a genuine way, they speak much more, right? But also by being purposeful, by seeking out others and just checking in, uh, those little s- small gestures go a really long way. So that that's an, another thing that I, I I tend to do and and I find helpful. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I think to
2: add to that as well, um, just. You know, you want to take away from being just squares on a Zoom or Google Meet call, right? You want to show that you're human as well. And um, that goes back even before remote time. Um, We can always shine. You know, we can put our best foot forward in our working relationships, uh, which is certainly something that I've always tried to do. And it came back to bite me. I've had managers tell me, listen, people have issues building rapport with you as a peers because All they see is this perfect person that's just, you know, working super hard and you don't feel human, right? And I think, um, you know, looking at it from this lens and also from the remote working lens, I was just sharing this in, cha- in the chat, um, I was working in a full remote company for two years and I realized that that em- environment lends itself even more to just, you know, posting in a Slack channel, hey, I closed this candidate, look at me, you know, again, not bragging, I know it's it's great. And we should be, um, you know, feel safe to share achievements too, to have each other, to you know, celebrate each other. But at the same time, it is so important to share failures, or let's call them f ups, right? Because it makes you more human, and even that contributes to your personal branding. I mean, what are most people doing on LinkedIn when it comes to LinkedIn branding? They're not talking about how they smash it. They're talking about how they're, you know, how they've been really at the at the at the at the low at the, an all time low, right? And how they what they learn from it. And I think that that is also something people follow and trust people, right? And you can't be considered a normal human being if all they see is this glamour and stardom right so humanizing yourself by also being very vocal about the things that are not perfect uh to your peers or to whoever you feel is is a is a good individual to make a connection with this is a good tool in my view
0: do you know what i think that's a perfect note to end on because it also chimes in with the and perhaps the biggest point which is this sense of you know, I've got nothing to share. I've got, you know, because it's not this huge win. It's not perfect. Actually, yeah. if you just shared more or less everything, um, and these days there are channels where you can do this, um, it will mean that you will humanize who you are. People will get to know you because if you're on a Zoom call or you're just on, you know, a periodic once a week type of check in it's hard to know exactly what's going on with this person. You've got to give yourself the give other people the opportunity to know the depth of who you are and that involves doing some of that externalization. Um, Okay folks, that's got to be it. We're over time. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. It feels like we've got another uh, part two to do on this because there's more practical implementation so if you're interested in us maybe setting this up again, uh, do let us know in the chat or the comments um, and we'll, we'll get that sorted before the end of the year. Uh, But let me take the opportunity to say thanks to all of our wonderful guests. Um, Anais Neumann, thank you so much for joining us and doing that wonderful presentation for us again. Um, uh, Joe Phillips, thanks for dropping in, coming in. Short period of time, but dropping in some truth bombs immediately, Joe. Um, I'd love to get you back on the show. Uh, And Virginia, wonderful to see you again. Um, Great to see some of your experiences and sharing your knowledge with us as well. Uh, Thank you all for joining us, guys.
4: Have a good one, everybody.
3: Enjoy your weekend.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Um, Okay, everybody, that was it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let me know whether you want to do a part two next week. We've got another amazing show for you. We're going to be talking about generational diversity, generational diversity, age, and ageism. Is it a thing? Is it a problem? If so, what are we doing about it? Does anybody have any strategies? to do, at uh, a higher, a multi-generational workforce. We actually have people uh, from either side. We've got people who are victims of ageism. We've got people who are gonna try and solve the problem. So they're gonna join us for that. Make sure you sign up to this. It's already out there. Um, I think Steve just already shared the uh, link in the chat stream and also follow the channel if you like this kind of chat. Okay, that's it. Have a good weekend. See you next time. Cheers.
1: Cool. That was very interesting, wasn't it? It was a very good show. <clears throat> the guests were excellent. And um, i the participation in the chat's really great as well.
0: Yeah, it's going nuts, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's like, it literally is like OnlyFans. Not that I know anything about OnlyFans, but you know, how it just like z- zips through. Twitch is probably a better example, isn't it? Um, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, either it's, of them, That's <laughs> fine. I'm, I'm not anyway, on either. What are you doing this weekend, man? Anything interesting?
1: Uh, watching sport, playing sport. That's it. Yeah that's it. Um Ooh, bo- boxing, right? <laughs> oh yeah, so, yeah. I, first, I think... first of all, do you, do you know who it was that got, got the got the got it right for the Usyk Dubois? I, I picked uh, the round, yeah, I picked yeah, the yeah, ending. Yeah. I got it right, got the round did right even. Did you put any money on it? Though? That's the that's the thing. I I did. Did you? Uh <clears throat> yes, I made 80 I I i virtually never gambled, but I I put I put Five pounds on Yusik to win. I got five pounds fifty-five back. I got Good. five. I put five pounds on it not to go the distance. I got six pounds back. I got five. I put five pounds on some other random one. The the one which made me like sixty quid was five pounds on Yusik wins in the ninth round.
0: Wow! That you only get you only get what well, was, was the the it was a.
1: If I put all twenty, if I put all twenty pounds on Yusik wins in the nine pounds, sorry. Yusik wins in the ninth round I'd have got about 280 quid back. Mm, this is why I don't gamble. It's not enough, is it? It's like... Well, it is for a £20
0: stake. Even then. It's not going to change your life, no. No, no. Um, anyway, more boxing. I think Eubank Junior's uh, Liam Smith this week, isn't it? Um,
1: is it this week? Yeah, Saturday night. Tomorrow night. Who do you reckon? I hope bank because I'd love to see it. I, I hope bank with a close... Like points win or only because I'd love to see a third one, a third one here. But I he think was the same badly,
0: He was badly exposed last time, wasn't he? I, um, I just don't think
1: he's very good. I think the third. I think I think the same thing is going to happen. He's going to get smashed within the first six rounds, and that's yeah. Out. He, he
0: was he was badly exposed. I think Eubank Junior has got to win. Angela's uh, Crips has said, uh, it "Tricked me." She said, "Who do you reckon?" I've actually said Eubank. Um, but I, I didn't quite clock it was uh, Liam Smith he's fighting. So, um, so yeah, I think he's 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 not going to win this. No. Anyway, no. anyway, you have a good time.
1: I'll, I'll speak to you soon, mate. Have a good I'll see weekend. You in, a, in, in a few weeks,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: Well, you're going to be dropping out for four weeks, which is what I want you to do. Have, have you bought Blue Screen? No, I haven't. But I have been. No, I haven't. But I, but yeah, I I but I have. Yeah. But I am actually better and okay. also. Yeah, I've got a considerable amount of um I've got a considerable amount of business administration to do. So Fine, fine. All right. See you All in a right. few. Take it easy. I stop recording in the broadcast.